Welcome to the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shayla Toombs-Withers. As a double board certified family and obesity medicine physician with over 12 years of experience in medicine, I teach motivated individuals how to achieve their desired quality of life while preventing and reversing chronic diseases. It's tea time. I would like to personally invite you to my upcoming live interactive webinar, New Year Jumpstart, Five Daily Habits to Reach Your Health Goals This Year. This free virtual event will be held on Tuesday, January 17th, 2023 at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. If you are ready to kick off your new year with a positive foot forward in achieving your health goals, then you won't want to miss this event. You can find out more and register today at essenceofhealth.link forward slash new hyphen year hyphen jumpstart. This information will also be located in the show notes, so take a look and sign up today. On today's episode of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast, I'll be interviewing lifestyle medicine physician, Dr. Judy Brangman. Stay tuned as Dr. Judy and I spill the tea on how to ensure that you are getting a sufficient amount of vitamins and nutrients in your diet. Dr. Judy is a board certified internal medicine physician. She obtained her Doctor of Medicine degree from Wake Forest School of Medicine and completed her internal medicine residency at East Carolina University Vidant Hospital. She is also certified in lifestyle medicine by the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine and holds a certificate in plant-based nutrition from the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies. She has been plant-based for over seven years. Dr. Judy's passion is for helping people transition to a healthy plant-based diet so that they can thrive and live an abundant life. She does this via online programs, courses, public speaking, and her social media platforms at The Plant-Based MD. She believes that in order to fully live the life you were intended to live on this earth, you need to be in optimum health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Dr. Judy is originally from Bermuda, and she currently also works as a hospitalist in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome to the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast, Dr. Judy. I'm glad to have you. Thank you, Dr. Shayla. I'm so excited to be on the podcast today. Yeah, same. All righty. Now, so Dr. Judy, tell our audience, what is your plant-based story? How did you get to where you felt like uh, going towards a plant-based diet was the right thing for you? And then how did you feel about the need for incorporating that into the way that you practice medicine? Sure. So my journey to plant-based nutrition or plant-based diets, I would say officially started maybe 10 years ago. Although let me go back to, um, you know, my upbringing, basically, because that did lay the foundation for kind of plant-based living. I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist household, and that Christian religion emphasizes healthy eating, vegetarian diets. So I knew people that were vegetarian, that were vegan. So it wasn't something that was particularly uncommon, although I was not vegetarian, but we didn't eat red meat. We didn't eat a lot of um, meat in general, um, but we ate chicken, fish, turkey, and then dairy, right? So that's my foundation. But it wasn't until I would say 
10 years ago, I think it was, I was in residency, maybe just a little over 10 years ago. And I had started to develop acne at that time, like hormonal acne and also GI issues. Every time I ate dairy, I noticed I had, you know, a little rumbling in my stomach, just didn't feel good. And my mom, who is a health guru, she is super, super healthy, super you know, vigilant and everything like that, as far as health suggested that I cut dairy out. And I was like, what does dairy have to do with acne or, you know, GI symptoms or anything like that? Because of this, I had not heard that before. So I was kind of skeptical, but tried it actually for like a week or two. And then I noticed that my symptoms got better. I felt better. And then I started to go online and kind of see, okay, let's see if there's any articles or any research and information about that. And then I found about how a large portion of people of color are actually lactose intolerant, how dairy is linked to acne. And then I started to all of a sudden, you know, once you're researching something, you meet people that are living that lifestyle. So I started to meet people that were vegan. And prior to that, like most people, I thought that vegan diets were deficient in certain nutrients. So to see someone that was alive and healthy, that was vegan was kind of like surprising, but then again, reassuring to me. And so I was like, okay, you know, this seems like this is something that people are doing. Let me look into it some more. And so for me, it was a very slow transition. I was not really planning to be fully plant-based because it just seems so different than what I was used to. And as far as dairy, cutting out dairy to me was the hardest thing, especially baking with dairy, baking without dairy, you know, getting that same texture. So I don't know how many years it took me to actually fully transition, maybe two or three. I just gradually started using more plant-based proteins, uh, tofu, beans, started baking without eggs, using egg replacers, using flaxseed, gel, flaxseed, and just kind of got comfortable making different vegan dishes. And then I was like, you know what? This actually tastes pretty good. It's not as hard as I thought it was. So that's kind of my plant-based journey and how I got started on this. That's so funny. You know, uh, so for the audience, Dr. Judy and I have, have known each other for a few years now, but I never realized how close our plant-based stories actually were because it was my lactose intolerance too, that led me to plant-based. I always tell folks, you know, my story of having the whole million dollar workup done on why I kept having these stomach issues and really everything was normal. And the GI doctor, I actually saw mention, um, yeah, let's, you know, try you on an elimination diet. And we took the dairy out first and sure enough, it, it did the trick. Um, yeah. And so that, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. And, and you're right, you know, as people of color, a lot of times we just don't realize how much that dairy really is impacting our, our health and our lifestyle. And, you know, we're living with a lot of this discomfort, um, as you said, that you had dealt with for years and same for me. Yeah, at first I was, it was disappointed to be honest. I was like, how am I developing lactose intolerance now? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a mac and cheese. And I love like cheese. That I was just was gonna my say. thing. Yeah. Mac and cheese. I could uh-huh. eat all day, every day. 
right right yep that was my thing and so yeah to be told that no more mac and cheese it was like oh no but yeah but now there are some great vegan mac and cheese recipes out there for mm-hmm. sure um that that are definitely delicious there yeah and then the other thing that I like that you said and the important thing that you pointed out was how when you, you know, made that transition, you didn't see a lot of examples of people who were plant-based for you, who you thought, you know, you thought people may have been nutrient deficient or, you know, things of this nature, because a lot of times what's perpetuated in the media is typically the thin white female vegan, you know, and and it's not uh, different people of different shapes, sizes, cultures, colors, even, uh, which we now know there, there is diversity within the plant-based arena. And it's just important for more people to see that too, to realize that too. Yeah. Which is nice that it's becoming more mainstream now in the past three to five years, I think it's become more popular and it's almost trending, you know, to become plant-based or to be vegan for the environment, for the animals, and then for health reasons. Right, right, for sure. And so what made you get to that point? So as you transition more plant-based over those first two or so years, what made you transition then to start practicing in a way where you made those particular recommendations for your patients that you were caring for? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an internal medicine physician. And so a large portion of the patients that I see have type 2 diabetes, hypertension. And as I got more into the plant-based community, I met people that were diagnosed with diabetes in the past, you know, type 2 diabetes, had switched to a plant-based diet and were able to put it into remission, meaning coming off of their medications. And the same thing for hypertension, but it was very striking to me about the diabetes because that leads to so many complications that I see on a regular basis from kidney disease, ulcers, amputations, um, vision problems. And I was just fascinated by the fact that that condition could be put into remission or reversed by eating healthier. And so I wanted to share that information with my patients so that they can prevent getting the complications of diabetes or even for those who are able to maybe even prevent getting a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes in the first place. Because I think that patients do need to hear from the physician that nutrition is important. It's not enough to just send the patient to the dietitian. I think they also have to hear it from us that eating healthy matters and it matters not a little, but it matters a lot. And so I just incorporate that into the way that I practice. I'm currently a hospital-based physician, but I've done primary care before. And so with whichever setting that I'm in, especially with the outpatient setting, I always find a way to just naturally incorporate diet in there by just asking the patient, what do they eat? You know, what does their diet look like? Or just how many fruits and vegetables do they eat in a day? That's a really quick, easy question to kind of get an idea of how plant-based, how close they are to being plant-based and how receptive they are. Because some people would say, oh, I don't like vegetables. I don't like fruit. And then I know, okay, they're not ready to, they may not be as ready to, you know, kind of make a change. So I just start there and I just started with a social media account really just to put the information out there because most people, what I found at least, you know, five years ago when I started 
really putting the information out there and doing speaking and social media is that most people don't know. Most physicians don't know the benefits of plant-based nutrition either. And then I've spoken to numerous dietitians and in their training, it doesn't touch on the benefits of a plant-based diet is what I have been told. They said they, the training touches on the deficiency. So it, pre it pre presents it from a standpoint of here are the possible deficiencies or possible nutrient deficiencies that you might develop if you're plant-based. Which, which is not good because that, that, you know, more so serves as a deterrent um, to individuals instead of really teaching and showing people ways that they can eat and use food as actual medicine, which, you know, you and I know to be true. Um, but instead of, you know, telling people, oh, you're going to be deficient in this or that versus helping them to know those proper foods that they can actually eat, not have deficiencies. You know, one of the things that we know even about cardiovascular disease and obesity is that it is a form of improper nutrition. You know, a lot of times we think that because, oh, somebody's plant-based, they're going to be improperly nourished. Well, a lot of the things that contribute to cardiovascular disease are from improper nourishment, improper nourishment of heavily, you know, laden saturated fats and processed foods and uh, meats um, and dairy products. And so it, it's just interesting to, to hear that, you know, some of those dietitians are educating people in that way. If you're frustrated with your weight, taking more medications than you'd like to, have been told that you are at risk for the development of a chronic preventable disease, or just are not feeling in the best of health, then I'm talking to you. Why? Because you're tired of fat dieting. You know it's time for a change and you want a sustainable plan to improve your health. If you have found yourself at this place in life, well, I have developed a program that's just for you. It's called The Essence of Health, and it's your prescription for transformation. My goal with this program is to give you the tools needed to create sustainable lifestyle changes within a group coaching setting, along with one-to-one -one individualized coaching to give you a personalized path to health that's just for you. The benefits are priceless. So join today. Head on over to eohcoaching.com to learn more. The essence of health is in you. Dr. Judy, I see that you are board certified in lifestyle medicine. So can you tell us more about that specialty and how that's different from just like a general medical practice? Sure. So lifestyle medicine is a field or subspecialty, if you will, that focuses on six pillars. And there's actually a organizing body that has workshops and conferences and a board certification. So the American College of Lifestyle Medicine is an organizing body that um, educates clinicians, healthcare providers about lifestyle medicine. So the six pillars that are emphasized in lifestyle medicine, and we use these six pillars as we're counseling our patients, as we're instructing our patients to live healthier. So the six pillars are nutrition. So predominantly plant-based uh, diet, uh, physical activity, encouraging adequate physical activity. I can go into each of one of these in detail, detail, but I'm just going to lay the six out. Social connections, you know, emphasizing the importance of having healthy social relationships with your family members, your coworkers, you know, instead of toxic relationships. Uh, avoiding risky substances, so avoiding alcohol, tobacco, drugs, um, stress management, the importance of 
adequately managing stress, controlling stress, how you react to circumstances that are within your control and those that are beyond your control. And then the sixth one is sleep, getting adequate sleep. And so when I did my lifestyle medicine board certification, I did courses, learning about those pillars, learning how to coach and counsel patients to get better sleep, for example, that actually proved to be very helpful when I was doing primary care, because instead of a patient coming in for sleep problems, which is actually, I found pretty common, instead of just prescribing them Ambien or sleep medication, I usually took some time to figure out why they were having trouble sleeping. And I could give them practical tips as to how they could sleep better. So that was very, very um, beneficial. And the information that we learn in lifestyle medicine is not information that's covered in um, residency and medical school. It's not things that I learned in my training. And I've been out of residency for about 10 years now. And so, yeah, so that's lifestyle medicine. I think really that it should be a part of medical training. I don't even think it should be separate. I wish that it was just incorporated into the way that we were trained. But I'm so grateful that there is a body that has conferences so that I can meet other doctors like you who understand and are passionate about holistic healthcare and it's exciting. It helps to bring, you know, joy that I can actually help to reverse some, reverse some conditions, prevent some conditions and give people hope. You know, I think we all need hope. And sometimes I find that in traditional healthcare model, you know, you come into the doctor, you get diagnosed with high blood pressure, for example, or diabetes, and you tell her, take this medication, you'll take this for the rest of your life, but you're not really given information that that condition could be put into remission if you, you know, change the way you ate, exercise more, maybe lost some weight. So I think that's what's powerful about having a lifestyle medicine doctor. If I had a chronic disease, I would absolutely try and find a lifestyle medicine doctor who is not just going to just prescribe medications, but is also going to get to the root of where in my lifestyle do I need to improve so that I can optimize my health, so that I can live longer, so that I can live better? Because that's what we all want, I think. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the field of, of lifestyle medicine, it, it, it really is that there are so many things that we've found with a lot of our chronic diseases that are preventable just with those lifestyle changes. And so it, it's exciting to see medicine heading some in that direction. I recently mm -hmm. read an article where in New York, they're about to actually include lifestyle medicine type of training for New York licensed providers because it, it does make such a difference in what it can also impact is it can lower our healthcare dollars overall mm -hmm. as a country, the more that we're able to prevent a lot of these chronic uh, conditions. So yeah, so thanks for explaining that. Yeah, and that's major too, reducing healthcare dollars. That's another reason why I'm so passionate about this lifestyle medicine and optimal nutrition. Right. One question I do have for you, being a, a doctor that works in the hospital, have you found that some of the hospitals are moving more towards plant-based options for patients when they're hospitalized? Not as much as I would like. <laughs> um, I know that some are, but the we still have room to improve, I would say. You know, it's not uncommon to patient, you know, cardiac diet even, you know, includes dairy, eggs, 
It's yeah, so- it always amazed <laughs> me that that the difference in the cardiac and the regular when, when I was working in the hospital was that the cardiac diet was like turkey bacon instead of regular bacon. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So they, they still bacon. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it's kind of like, uh, I mean, they limit the salt in the cardiac diet, I know, but it's not it's not ideal. But it's so funny because for a lot of patients, it's so different than what they're eating at home, the cardiac diet that they don't like it. So we do have a lot of improvement overall, you know, as a country, I think, to improve the dietary habits <laughs> that people are engaging in. But I wish that it was a bit more healthy in the hospital, at least that they have more vegetarian, vegan options. And I, yeah, I actually experienced this one time personally when I was in the hospital. This is a year and a half ago, whatever. I had um, ordered a vegan meal and the only thing they could give me was white rice and some boiled broccoli with no seasoning it was yep bland. and toast I, I I remember that too. <laughs> so the, the last time I was in the hospital was after I had my my last baby <laughs> it was five now uh and yeah and that was that that was the on the vegan meal plans like you yeah. know bland vegetables white rice uh plain toast um you know and that was about it. it it was really terrible I remember you know having my husband actually bring me in it's food that I wanted to eat yeah uh, I had food yeah. brought in and I just bring my food every day to work I don't eat in the cafeteria yeah <laughs> which is unfortunate you know because <laughs> people part of getting people well is you know what they eat too and so you know I really wish more of our, our hospital systems would would get on board but you know I know that could be an entirely different podcast episode as to how we're going to get these hospitals on yeah. board yeah and then patient satisfaction is tied to the food so if they don't like the food then they won't rate the hospital as much to understand the dilemma to be honest Ah. of what the hospital is you know doing interesting interesting yeah but that could also you know maybe power them forward to get some tasty plant-based food you know instead (laughs) of just boiled broccoli yeah you you know add some spice on there (laughs) at least have some more vegetables you know right yeah (laughs) All right. And so now one of the many concerns that we touched on this a little bit that individuals have when they go plant-based is that possibility of being nutrient deficient. And so what suggestions do you typically recommend to help individuals to avoid having an imbalanced nutrient deficient type of diet when they're eating plant-based? Yeah, that's a great question and a common concern that some people have. The Nutrients that are of concern with the plant-based diet are uh, omega-3, DHA and EPA, um, vitamin D, but then most importantly, B12. B12 is a vitamin that if you're fully plant-based or even vegetarian, you probably will need to supplement and you can get your levels checked. Your primary care doctor can check your vitamin B12 level as well as the vitamin D level. So I recommend that, but vitamin deficiencies and nutrient deficiencies are deficiencies are not nearly as common as people think that they are. So I think a lot of it is unfounded and fear of something that really is not something that we see, you know, in real day-to-day life. But for people who want some kind of reassurance, I do recommend tracking their meals. There are plenty of apps that you can use to do that. And the one that I like, um, MyFitnessPal, people use or Chronometer, 
Um, chronometer specifically, it breaks it down into the vitamins, fat, protein, carbs, because people are always worried that they're not getting enough protein. And so you, you can track that for a week and you can see, oh, okay, I am getting my protein. And I did that in the beginning too, because I was concerned about how much protein I was getting. And without even making a con uh, conscious effort to get more protein, I found that I was getting, you know, more than enough. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I commonly hear people, you know, concerned about these vitamin deficiencies, but I've also even seen just in my private practice where people who eat just regular, you know, standard American diet, and they also have deficiencies too. Uh, people just don't realize it, but I've seen, you know, B12 deficiencies, iron deficiencies, vitamin D deficiencies, and people who eat meat and dairy every day. And so people, you know, get so concerned and so freaked out, uh, about the plant-based folks being deficient uh, when, like you said, it, a lot of it is really unfounded, um, especially if you are making sure to eat that rainbow um, on your plate and, you know, you're, you're having a variety of plant-based types of foods and not just sticking to kind of one food every day, then you should definitely be able to get enough vitamins and minerals and nutrients in your diet. Yeah, exactly. I treat patients with vitamin D deficiency, B12, iron deficiency, and they're not plant-based. They're just a regular, you know, American diet. So there's a lot of different factors that contribute to deficiency of these nutrients. Um, just one, specifically B12, metformin decreases B12 absorption. So a lot of people on metformin that have diabetes, even something like B12, which is um, not really found in the vegan diet, but you can still be deficient in it, even if you're not vegan. Right. People often think that it's just related to what you eat, but don't realize that it's also uh, what medications you're on, as well as absorption, your gut, mm -hmm. whether you have other gut conditions that affect the absorption of that particular nutrient. So it's, it's more complex than, you know, I think people seem to think. And I'm not really yeah. sure why people are so afraid or why some people are so afraid of plant-based nutrition, why it's not advocated for mm -hmm. more in medical school, nursing school, um, dietetics training. I'm mm -hmm. not really sure. I think, you know, I think a lot of it stems from first the unknown, because if you've never actually, you know, tried to eat a plant-based meal yourself, there are a lot of unknowns out there. And a lot of times, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this as much as I have, where you'll go to a restaurant that's not a, a vegan restaurant, but, you know, you're out with family or friends and you're at a regular restaurant and you're looking for the vegan dish and it's an iceberg lettuce salad, you know, <laughs> because that's kind of all people think is, is left that you can, you know, give somebody who eats plants, but we know that there's, you know, a lot more to eat out there than iceberg lettuce. Um, and, but I think a lot of it just stems, you know, from that, that unknown factor of it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. agree. <laughs> and then yeah. if it seems hard, then people will get discouraged really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that too. And then I, I recently did a, a deep dive on episode three of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. I did some research regarding our food groups and how our country's history played a part in the foods that are still recommended for us today. 
a lot of our food guidelines come from the early 1900s, where, you know, as we know, people didn't have uh, the same level of refrigeration that we have right now. Um, they actually were having, you know, episodes of famine and food wasn't as abundant as it is right now. And so some of those guidelines stem from that time period, even, you know, during war and the depression and all of those things. And there are some of these guidelines that just we haven't bothered to mm -hmm. change them <laughs> since that time. You right. know, even though we, we all got a, you know, good working refrigerator at home, you can buy your vegetables frozen and keep them for several months, you know, but we just still haven't updated um, as a country, a lot mm -hmm. of those old guidelines too. That's so true. Now, are there any specific vitamins that you typically recommend someone to take daily or weekly and why? And I think you probably touched on this a little bit already. But. Yeah, the main ones, um, and you can find some supplements that have the three together. So vitamin D, B12, and omega-3, DHA and EPA. I like those for plant-based. I take those for sure. And then... Other than that, it would depend on the individual. So iron, that would depend on, you know, what their blood tests show. Uh, calcium is very rare for someone to be calcium deficient because um, your body maintains a level of homeostasis with calcium by absorption and reabsorption of calcium in the bone and the GI tract. So calcium deficiency, though something that people probably do worry about on plant-based is actually very uncommon. And then zinc, zinc is another nutrient or a micronutrient, which is helpful in people who have trouble with uh, poor wound healing. So it's not necessarily related to uh, plant-based eating or plant-based diets, but we do sometimes recommend zinc supplement for people with um, infectious diseases. Even with COVID, we were kind of using that, are using that sometimes for patients to help um, their immune system. But the big three that I would emphasize for someone who's plant-based is vitamin D, B12, and omega-3. And I, I tend to take things separately, um, you know, B12 separately, vitamin D separately, and then I have uh, omega-3. Um, it's a spray actually that I take. So those, those are the ones that I take. Yeah, the, the nice thing now is that a lot of the different vitamins, you can get them in a lot of different formulations, you know, so it, it really depends on what what you as an individual like. So they, you know, they come in gummies, they come in tablets, they come in drops, uh, injectable forms for some things, a spray, like you said. So it really does give people a lot of options just depending on the preference and on what you like. And that's a good point that you mentioned about definitely getting blood levels checked, you know, especially with vitamin D is one I like to mention mm -hmm. to people. I've, I've seen, you probably have too, uh, where some folks will come in on these super mega high doses of vitamin D because they're, they're really, you know, bless them. They're really trying to do their, their best with this thing. Uh, but then we check their levels and they're, you know, almost at a toxic level. And I've even had mm -hmm. some that were actually experiencing symptoms and weren't sure what mm -hmm. was causing them. And true enough, it was these really mega high doses of vitamin D um, that they were taking. So it's definitely one that mm -hmm. folks should be getting checked, getting your lab levels checked and not just taking blindly, um, just the highest dose that you see out there to take. Yeah, I agree. And I'm in a few vegan groups and I'm surprised at how many people aren't taking a B12 supplement and have never had their levels checked. And it's something that's so easy to do. I actually check mine 
on a regular basis, <laughs> like once a year, once every other yeah. year. And the number does change. You know, if I've changed my diet, if I've changed how often I'm taking my supplement. So it's one of those things that you can check on a regular basis and I'm being on prevention. So I'd rather check it, check something, even though the person doesn't necessarily have symptoms of B12 deficiency, check it before they get symptoms so that you can treat it adequately. It's very important. I've, I've heard so many vegans say that they use CMOS or um, nutritional yeast, those right. three things, but especially the B12 that people say, but it's not really inconsistent enough amounts to no, necessarily it's meet not. your That's needs. That's the thing about it. And you could be right. deficient. Yeah, but... and, and it depends on the brand. Not all yeah. of the brands of nutritional yeast contain it. And so unless you're specifically, you know, really looking at those labels mm-hmm. and like you said, the amount that's in there, but it's just much easier just to take the supplement when it comes to B12. Uh, because the thing about it, you know, you may not see symptoms until, you, like you said, you're a little bit further down the line with it. And because of those things that B12 deficiency can cause with neurologic changes, it's definitely important to be more preventative with that exactly and then is how much nutritional yeast do you have to eat to meet your <laughs> daily requirements i mean more than i'm sure most people are eating so um if you're vegan and you've never had your b12 checked and you're not taking a supplement that's something you need to do asap <laughs> yeah totally now what are three things that you wish everyone knew about a plant-based diet i wish that people knew that you can absolutely 100% get all of your protein needs on a plant-based diet. That's one thing that people are unnecessarily worried about is getting protein. So the protein requirements, 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. Bodybuilders, weightlifters, athletes do tend to get more and need more. So they are about 1.2 to 1.5, although I know some do two, two grams per kilogram of body weight. But with the average person, 0.8 is fine. So you can easily quickly calculate how many grams of protein you need a day. And you'll be surprised at how many things have protein. Vegetables have protein. Oats have protein. So it's not just meat and beans and tofu that has protein. There's even protein in grains and vegetables as well. So that's why it's important to get a variety of different foods during the day so that you're meeting your adequate protein needs. So that's the most important thing that I would like people to know about plant-based eating. Secondly, calcium deficiency, because I think people think that you can only get calcium from dairy. Um, So I would say that calcium is not exclusively found in dairy, and there are actually better sources of calcium, like green leafy vegetables, broccoli, um, which are also packed with fiber and nutrients, which have remarkable benefits for your health overall. So dairy does not equal calcium. That's the second thing I would say. You know, the commercials really drove that into our brains years ago with the gut milk and the mustache, you know, calcium milk. So that people think that calcium is the same thing as milk and nothing else has calcium in it. Not true. And there's actually evidence to show that milk is inflammatory and actually helps to leach calcium out of the bones. And there's nothing healthful about drinking cow's milk. (laughs) That's the second thing. The third thing I would say is it's not as expensive as you think. People always think that eating healthy is expensive. And that's like, it depends on how you do it. If you're eating the processed meats, the processed cheeses, you're eating out, you're not cooking at home. Yes, that's going to be more expensive. But if you just take it down to the basics, what our ancestors likely ate and maybe still eat, 
you know, in the continent of Africa, they don't have all of those processed foods. And even other countries, like, you know, I travel a lot, right? So I'm into Asia and different countries and Thailand. You don't see those processed meats and processed cheeses like you do here in the US. So if you break it down to the basics, vegetables, which you can get at reasonable prices. I live in North Carolina, so I'm going to say what we have here. Aldi, Food Lion, Walmart, <laughs> pretty cheap prices. Tofu, I mean, come on, $2, 2 $3 for like a block that has three, four servings in it. There's no meat that's going to be that cheap. So I think that's the third thing that I would say. It's really not as, as expensive as you think. And I actually was doing a talk one time a couple of years ago when I wanted to prove that and I needed to see it for myself. So I went to the grocery store and I priced out different vegan items tofu, beans, proteins, vegetables. And then I priced out different meats, different cuts, chicken, wings, thighs, uh, steak, pork, you know, ground turkey, like everything. And I had pictures and the pricing. And in my presentation, I was showing that and like, you know, showing evidence of how plant-based is not necessarily more expensive than the meat. And do you know what somebody said? She was like, she was just being honest. She was like, you know what? We know that, but we just kind of say that because it kind of makes us, you know, feel better about <laughs> what we want to eat. Right. Like it's just like a limiting belief that people have in mm -hmm. their in their head. I was yeah. like, this is very interesting. It is. And I think the other part to that is people think about fast food whatever the the meal item is you know the meal deal and so you know when you're comparing a one dollar burger or a five dollar meal to something um then you know it, it might look a bit more expensive but let's think about those long-term things too so yeah you might get a you know a burger and a fry and a milkshake for five dollars but you're gonna get a side of cholesterol and heart disease with it too versus you know those beans and rice that you can go get <laughs> for that amount right yeah so it, it definitely makes a difference there and, and you're right uh cuts of meat are definitely going to be more expensive uh than these vegetable items that that are typically you know readily available now you know as someone who looks at health disparities there are a lot of communities who are, are lacking in choices of where they can go to get a lot of these items and so you know I, I think as a as a country as a community in a lot of places we still have a lot of work to do in that arena to combat health disparities. But when it comes down to cost, you are, are so right um, that it's just, you know, a myth that it, it costs more to, to eat healthy than it does. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about, um, you know, with the fast food, you know, you get a happy meal, it's cheap, but you get a side of what high cholesterol with that high blood pressure. So there's the cost of getting chronic diseases that people don't really realize it at the time that they're eating because it's not something that happens overnight, which I think makes it hard for people to really see that there's a direct correlation between what you're eating and the chronic diseases that you will develop years down the road. You know, it's not like you right. drink poison and you die tomorrow. It's kind of like you drink right, a exactly. little bit of it and you still feel okay mm -hmm. until, you know, a couple of years later and you have, you know, type two diabetes or you're having a stroke or you have high cholesterol. So if there's one thing that I could just get, yeah. That's, that's, that's one thing I can get people to really retrain the way they think about food and don't think about food as something that's purely to bring you enjoyment, but eat food that brings you enjoyment, but that also that your body will also love as well. And that will be beneficial to your health. 
So that's what we should be thinking about when we're picking what to eat. What is this food doing to my body? Is it inflammatory? Is it processed? Is it high in sugar? Um, is it animal-based? What is it going to do to my body now and in the long run as well? Yeah, that's that's certainly a good point too. You know, what what is, what, what are you inputting into your body, and and what is that gonna gonna look like um, for you? That's definitely a good point. Yeah. So thank you so much, Dr. Judy, for coming on the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. So where can our listeners connect with you? Sure. Thanks so much. This was so much fun. So your listeners can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Plant Based MD. And my website is theplantbasedmd.com. Awesome. Thank you for joining me today on the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss a moment of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Check out the show notes to obtain your free tips for healthy living guide to get you started on your health and wellness path. Follow me on social media at Essence of Health Wellness Clinic on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and at dr.tw at eohwc on TikTok. Interested in becoming a member of the Essence of Health Coaching Program? Well, head on over to www.eohcoaching.com. The Essence of Health is in you.